Just give us one hour, and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. As a filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, professor, and change agent specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cybers-Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. On the show, she also focuses on military families and service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and other post-deployment civilian life reintegration issues. So, let's spend some time getting to the heart of the matter on Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face, ladies and gentlemen. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is all about the heart. Before we bring on our guest today, I invite you, yes you, to join our conversation live by calling us at 877-864-4869. Once again, that's 877-864-4869. You can log into our chat room at toginet.com or you can tweet at us with the hashtag HarvestingHappiness. Today we are talking about perspectives on parenting and I chuckled because there was a study done several years back that queried several parents I don't know the exact details of it um, but I, I'm going to write about it because it's very salient to what we're talking about today that said that people reported that their happiness levels went down when they became parents. And it wasn't that people didn't love their children. Everybody loves their children. Um, that study really proved that there was a diminishment in happiness levels or subjective well-being because of all the stuff that comes along with parenting. So today's show is focusing on parenting from both the father's perspective and the mother's perspective. And we're, we're holding this show right smack in the middle between both Mother's and Father's Day. So we thought that was a good way to pay tribute to us peeps that raise children out there. My first guest is Richard Greenberg. He is a father of four and the author of Raising Children That Other People Like to Be Around. He is a native of Los Angeles, California. He's a graduate of UCLA with a bachelor's degree in English. And here's a little factoid. He was Art Garfunkel's 
personal assistant. And for those of you of a certain age, of which I fall into that category, that means something. And we'll get to that in a minute. But choosing to stay in Los Angeles after college, he married his childhood sweetheart. He became active in the television industry while he and his wife, Joanne, began building their family. They've got, like we said before, four kids. Count them. That is a big brood. Richard, I want to bring you on right away because, I I mean, I'm just giggling here at, at the prep that I've been given. There's so much good stuff to talk about. So you two have kids that, that others like to be around. I love that. Well, hi, Lisa. It's great that you've had me on. I'm looking forward to this a lot. We have uh, we have four great kids. I mean, I it, it sounds as though I'm boasting, but I'm, I'm pretty happy. And, and in fact, they're pretty much grown. Uh, our oldest kid is a, we have three boys followed by a girl. So our oldest son is 33. Our next son is 30. Our third son is 25. And then we have an 18-year-old daughter. So I had to let them evolve enough to know whether or not my, my theories uh, could prove out uh, which is why it took me a long time to get this book out. Uh, and um, basically, I think they're pretty good kids. Uh, and most importantly, they like each other and they like us. Well, and I think that those are the hallmarks of good parenting. When the kids can like each other, certainly when they want to have dinner with you after they leave the house is a really, really good sign. Like when they come back, you know, that they don't just leave and never come back. That's not good. Right. But the fact is they still want to hang out with you. Well, they, you know, there are a couple of things that get them to hang out with us. One of them is if we buy dinner, they'll show up for sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, that little sister has this ability to draw those three boys home quite quickly. And uh, that's pretty cute. You know, we were lucky enough in the spacing of our kids that they were old enough to sort of feel as though they were engaged in her upraising. And, and in fact, each of them, we made each of them responsible for each other so that they feel this connection uh, that binds them in a different manner than it binds them to us. They are their own unit. They have their own little sibling text that they communicate with each other, probably most of the time making fun of my wife and me. Uh, and then there's another text that's all six of us, and then each of us communicate individually. But yeah, um, we're a pretty cohesive little unit. And uh, I think that we did that by emphasizing the positives in their lives and our lives, and by not losing sight of the fact that we are their parents, and that they can always come to us, we have their back, but we stand firm about the rules that we've created and our expectations of them as human beings. You know, we expect them to be truthful, we expect them to be respectful, and we expect them to be kind. And those were the basic rules that we used and applied to almost everything we did with them as children. And in fact, you know, as amazing as it sounds, they turned out that way. So it's, it's always, you know, it's an experiment and every day being a parent is a challenge and your kids throw you all kinds of curveballs. And, you know, the, the key is to believe in yourself and your own knowledge and your own experience as both a child and a parent, and then to be able to apply that to your relationship with your child. You know, what you say is so on point. I've got these two teenagers. I've got a 14-year-old and an almost 17-year-old. And my house is a pretty interesting place because um, I have two characters that I'm raising as a single mom. And what you say about them having their own relationship together that is separate from 
me, separate from us being a family unit, is how the two of them communicate and have one another's back. And I think that that is really important for a, a lot of reasons. I mean, from, from a sibling perspective, from, le- from learning how to build relationship and community and intimacy with another peer. I think that that's really important. Because, you know, we always created in our house at the dinner table, we created a, a, an environment that was going to be a safe environment where the deal was what gets talked about at dinner doesn't get shared with anybody outside of our family. And you can express your opinion and you can express your fears and you can talk about the people who bother you and it will stay confidential in the family. And I think that that builds this sort of internal respect that then follows them into the world where they know that our home is a place that's safe for them to communicate and they develop that communicative relationship on their own. We, I, my second son got married last year and he, he was having his bachelor party and his older brother gave a speech and he said, you know, when, when Ben and I were little, uh, the next door neighbor had a go-kart and, uh, the next door neighbor was going to let me drive the go-kart, but he wasn't going to let Ben drive the go-kart because he was too young. So Ben went home and he was crying and he went to dad and dad called me into the house and he said, look, this is your brother and that's our neighbor. And you never side with the neighbor over your brother. That's just the way the deal is going to work. And, you know, that's something that you say that's very idealistic. But he, he here he is as a 32-year-old having taken that to heart and saying, and this is my brother who I said, no, I'm not going to ride the go-kart unless Ben can ride the go-kart. And that meant a lot to a kid who was 10 years old. And he came home and he did what was right for his brother. And that concept of standing up for your brother, that the world is full of people who will come and go, but your brother, your sibling is yours for the rest of your life, is a very important thing to give the kids. And that's, you know, all these lessons you give them that feel idealistic, they actually accept and believe and move forward with, and it enhances their lives, and it simplifies your life as a parent because you end up having children who aren't always at each other's throats. Agreed. Um, We're going to be going to a break in a couple of minutes, but I want to ask you one question before we do, and that is do you believe anyone can be a good parent or rather become a good parent? I believe that you need to believe in yourself and look at your resources, and I do believe that you can start with a clean slate, that even if your parent was an alcoholic or if your parent abused you, you can make the decision to not do those things with your child, and that's part of happiness, that you make a decision to be happy. You make a decision to look at the glass and say that it's half full, and that's a very important thing to do when you're parenting, that yes, your kids do a lot of stuff that could get you upset, But on the other hand, everything that can get you upset is an opportunity to teach them something. Very, very well said. And on that note, I am going to very graciously dance us to break by giving your contact information to learn more about Richard Greenberg and raising children that other people like to be around. You can visit www.commonsensedad.com. On Twitter, Richard is at commonsensedad. Dad. And on Facebook, guess what? Common Sense 
dad. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how parenting is like driving a taxi cab. And this certainly brings a chuckle to my mind when I think about the schlepping that I have done in the past with my kids. I've got a driver now, so life is instant, uh, infinitely easier. But um, that plays into the study that I was talking about at the beginning of the show, that what makes us unhappy at parents is that concept of schlepping, but also the, um, the taxi cab. I want to look at life through the lens of parenting like a taxi cab driver with Richard Greenberg, the common sense dad. Here come those tunes, and when we return, we will carry on this conversation about perspectives on parenting. I wanted to make a difference we know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on T-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. And I had that sort of pregnant pause because Richard Greenberg and I had a little moment of Jewish geography where we were realizing that we had one degree of separation. And that's pretty funny. But that's another conversation. Richard, why or how is parenting like driving a taxi cab? Well, you know, if if you hailed a cab and you got into the cab and you said to the driver, uh, take me to the airport. And the driver looked at you and said, well, I don't really know how to get to the airport, but I'm going to do my best. And I think I'll be able to get us there on time, but I'm not really sure. Then you would be a little anxious. You know, you have a plane to catch. You have things to do in your life. You, you know, it's it, to be in the car with somebody who doesn't know what they're doing is not a particularly comfortable feeling. Well, we are driving the cab in which our children are sitting. And it's up to us to know where we're going and to make them feel as though we do know where we're going and that 
they can have confidence that riding in our cab will get them where they need to be. And I think that some parents even complicate things further by saying, well, you know, I haven't changed the oil in this cab in about five years, and that front left tire is really going bald. And all of these things just increase the anxiety of our children. And I think our, our goal in life is to keep our children from being worried about the fact that they live in the world because they know they don't have to worry because we know exactly where we're driving them. We hope. Or, we, or, or if we don't, we fake it. <laughs> At least when they're young. This is what I've learned, you know? Well, and, but, and that's the key. I think you yeah. do need to fake it. You need to, you know, you need to act like you know what you're doing because they, they have far less information and far less capability to, uh, to, to make up a plan on their own. That you've got so much more life experience that it really isn't that mysterious. You were a child once. You know how something felt. And it's not, it's not that complicated. Feelings are like they get hurt. And they get hurt for reasons. And if you talk about that, you can give them the same tools that you created for yourself to deal with your feelings. Agreed. I remember many years ago, right after September 11th, I was having a conversation with a girlfriend. We were talking about fear, how not to fear monger with our children, mostly probably not to fear monger for ourselves so we could so we could handle what was going on because everybody was so deeply affected by the tragedy. And how do we keep our children calm? How do we show them, not just tell them, but show them that life goes on? And she says, you know, Nobody knows, but you got to fake it. Like you got to get out there and you got to live and you got to uh, be an example that the kids can't live their lives in fear. So I think what you say is is very appropriate. You uh, have some smart principles that you use to simplify the parenting process. Can you share them with us? Yeah, they they are uh, words that spell out smart. So set an example, which is something you just described in being calm yourself. Make the rules. So you set an example. You make the rules based on the example you want to set. Again, I come back to those core values of honesty, respect, and kindness. And then you make rules based on those core values. You apply those rules in a way that makes sense because your kids want you to apply the rules because they want to know that they're being embraced by this cocoon of expectation. So you apply those rules. You respect yourself in that process. You don't let them try and tell you that they are not going to go to bed now because they don't feel like it. And then you understand at the end of the day that every single thing you do is teaching your children something. So the smart principle is set an example, make the rules, apply the rules, respect yourself, and teach in all things. It sounds like a recipe for a good relationship as well, a good marriage. It's funny that you should mention that. I mean, uh, the first step in the book really is about getting a relationship in line with the person whom you're raising the children with. So there are, there's a questionnaire that is, what were the best things your parents did? What were the worst things your parents did? And trying to synchronize the relationship you're in with another parent so that you go to your children with a united front. And that's very important. I cannot tell you, I mean, I agree with you a thousand percent that that united front between the parents is essential to successful parenting or co-parenting. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a, I'm a single mom, but with my kids, 
dad or my husband, as I like to refer to him <laughs> as, true. my husband, that we are united. You know, no matter the fact of the matter is, you know, we're 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 done as a couple, but we're never done as parents, ever. Yes, and I think that that demonstrates for your children that you can proceed in your life in a way that is is best for you and comfortable, but doesn't decrease the attention they get from their parents. And I think that there's a brilliance to the term husband because it implies that you're still connected, as you said. And, you know, I've noticed a lot of people in divorces start to treat their children differently because they're guilty that they have, you know, broken up this family unit. And the fact is that our kids only know who what a parent is based on the way we behave as their parent. So if you're a single mom, it doesn't make you more or less of a mom. You're not behind any eight ball. You are mom. And your husband is dad. And if the two of you are communicating, it shows that you respect your obligation as parents and your responsibility to raise those children and show them how the world works. And you had said earlier, you know, as you quoted that passage earlier about Kids could drive you crazy and that they could be a source of angst and anxiety. Well, yeah, they can be, but they're also the purest pleasure that we have. And, and accepting the responsibility that comes with raising them and doing it in a way that makes them people who you like to be around is a very positive thing to do. I like what you just said about the purest pleasure because they really are. You know, when the mo- when the moment they uh, they come out and they're placed in our arms, it is it is it is a pure love moment. Like you want to know pure love, you look at your kids. You want to know a certain sense of godliness in the world. I know for me, I look at my kids, and and they can be the biggest pains in the butt because they're teenagers, and that comes with the job description of where they're at in time. But they are good people, you know, and they're so much fun. Teenagers are a hoot. Well, you know, and my book is about simplifying this process so that rather than clouding it up with all of this mechanism of discipline and this negative sort of critical uh, anxiety that you can bring into the house, you instead surprise your kids with kindness and you say things that you appreciate about them. And I have to say that my wife really taught me this. That you, you appreciate things. I really like the way you're sitting there. I really like the way you treat your brother. I really like the way you two guys get along so well. And those positive reinforcements allow your children to know that they're fulfilling your expectations instead of having them do something negative where you go, hey, your room's a mess. You need to clean it up. Or why did you leave your bike on the back patio? You know, I like the way you put your bike away. That's a really good thing to say. I like the way you come home from school and get your homework done. Now, these are ideals, and, you know, often our kids don't do them. But if you change the the messaging in your house from that of negative criticism to positive reinforcement, I think you get the same effect, and you live in a much more peaceful place. Certainly a much more joyful one. You know, yes. I, I can attest to that. Um, you mentioned your wife and, and the lesson that your wife taught you. And let's talk a little bit about the, the difference in parenting styles between men and women, between dads and, and moms. <laughs> well, <laughs> That's another show. but <laughs> it, You know, we have a very traditional marriage. And we, through the years in which I was uh, a nine-to-five guy, uh, Joanne really held down the fort. And... She was making, you know, I, she would make a hundred decisions a day and then 
uh, and she would be making those decisions and sort of negotiating her way through life with our kids and their needs. And then I would come home from work and I would be tired and I would say, you know, I had a fuse that was like a quarter of an inch long and she had a fuse that was two feet long. And so my role as I saw it in life was to sort of toughen my kids up, to let them know that the world is a place where there's going to be somebody who has an expectation of them. And when their teacher isn't the right teacher and they come to me and they say, you know, my teacher doesn't like me, I have to say something to them like, well, you know, you're going to encounter people like bosses who don't like you. And your job, I'm sure the boss doesn't dislike everybody in the class. So there must be kids who are succeeding. How do you become one of the kids who's succeeding? What do you need to do to get past that obstacle that is that negative teacher or that negative boss? And that was my role as the dad was kind of like, no, I'm not going to buy that. Joanne's role as the mom was that she would give them a soft landing place and she would listen to them explain why it was they thought the teacher didn't like them. And she would sort of help guide them in her very much more subtle way than my very direct way. And I think that there is that difference. I think that dads, or at least in my family, I was far more direct about things with my kids. And Joanne was, you know, a little more cushioned than I. And the fact is that over time, I learned from her how to soften my message. And she learned from me how to toughen her message. And we gave each other those different strengths so that by now we pretty much can think the same way. But we still, you know, I have issues with sometimes you know, the fact that she needs to leave them alone a little bit more than she does. And I, I like <laughs> them to develop their independence. And she likes them to be, you know, under our roof as much as possible. And I have to say, I totally enjoy it when they're here. But I want them to understand that they have freedom. Beautifully said. And what I hear you saying is that from a, from a male perspective, the um, teaching or mentoring reasoning and logic is where I hear you coming from, and your wife tapping into the emotional um, uh, softer side, as you put it. So in both are extremely important. You know, you, we must have social intelligence and emotional intelligence as well as intellectual intelligence in order to become good people. Well, and I think it's a really good balance for them. I think that they learn, you know, now what do they come to me for? They come to me for business advice, computer discussions, automobile discussions, factual, real, strategic information. They go to my wife for comfort and love, and she gives them great strategic information. She's a very smart person. I, you know, she gives me great strategic information. So, you know, we do function as a team, but we do have those traditional male and female roles. And the team effort or village effort in some cases is essential to raising successful children, to raising successful people in this day and age. You have been an absolute delight. And I want to let our listeners know that you also offer a parenting course online at momassembly.com. Dot com. That's pretty cool. So is it a, is a, a six-week course? or? No, it's actually a series of videos that you uh, log into, and I have taken the smart principles of my book, and I explain them to camera in a way that has in it the types of analogies I used with the taxi cab and, and uses sort of my – it's a digest of the book that I present. 
Well, perfect. We can send our listeners to momassembly.com. And to learn more about Richard Greenberg, you can visit his website, commonsensedad.com. On Twitter, he is at commonsensedad, as well as Facebook. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Lisa. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Kamen has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on T-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Christine Carlson is a motivational speaker for women and girls. Her world is dedicated to not sweating the small stuff. She's a New York Times bestselling author and co-author of the book entitled Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Heartbroken Open, and An Hour to Live, An Hour to Love. For nearly two decades, Christine Carlson has moved and thrilled audiences around the world with 25 million books sold. And that translates to her words having already touched 0.4% of the world's population. She's aiming for a 1% solid <laughs> before <laughs> she departs this platform. <laughs> Christine, that is a fabulous goal. I mean, when I read that, I had a, a big chuckle. Let's talk, let's just, just jump right in and talk about from the mom's perspective, from the woman's perspective, um, making peace with imperfection. We are so busy as moms wanting to be perfect and raise perfect kids. Yeah, and don't you think that is such a cultural idea, really? I mean, we're sort of raised um, from the time we start as little girls. um, It's sort of a perception that we have that we have to be perfect, and it kind of plays out throughout our lifetimes and causes all sorts of havoc. And 
I think where we see it the most is the amount of pressure that we put on ourselves and our families to be perfect and to hold the perfect life that, you know, really honestly, um, when we can start to see how life unfolds beautifully in its imperfection, that is really one of the key philosophies behind Don't Sweat the Small Stuff and learning how not to let the little things um, claim so much of your attention that you forget to focus on what really matters to you, which is really raising your kids with tremendous joy. And I know in my own life, I've gone through different time periods where I did hold myself and my family to standards of perfection that always backfired on me. Yeah, I think many of us start out that way. You know, that we are programmed from how we might have been raised in our early life and from what society and the media tell us that we must be perfect in order to measure up. And then we go through perhaps a little self-realization and 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 come to understand that it's really perfection is highly overrated and quite boring once you get there. It is. And, you know, there's a big difference between teaching your kids to give their very best and then teaching them that when they give their very best, that's actually good enough. You know, that we see children that are perfectionists um, because they fall apart when they when things don't work out the way they expect them to, you know. And this is one of the biggest keys of resiliency um, that I feel is so important um, in fostering resiliency in children and also resiliency in adults is like really learning how to lower your expectations of outcomes and your attachment to outcomes. It's not that you don't give it your best. It's not that you're not always striving to giving it your best. It's accepting the end result that sometimes your best is just what it is. It's, it may not measure to being the best, but it's your best, and that's good enough. And this concept of resiliency, of course, is part of the positive psychology platform in which I work. But in an extension of that, there's a new fashionable word uh, in the marketplace, and that is grittiness. Mm. Um, You you probably or maybe you've heard there's a, uh, a study being done at the University of Pennsylvania talking about grit to how do we teach our children grit because above all grit is what gets us places grit is what helps motivate and move us and it's not natural to many of us interesting i've never actually heard of that i mean um you know i mean i've heard of true grit of course but (laughs) 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 i think i probably have a fair amount of that myself actually (laughs) indeed you do But, you know, what a great concept and um, certainly one I'm going to be looking up. Thanks for that tip. You know, I I think that's um, very powerful to think of it in those terms that it's not when life is going really well that tests us or even tests our strength, you know, or even um, creates like when, I don't know about you, Lisa, but when life's really going well for me, I just sort of sail along and everything's invisible to me, you know, including my appreciation a lot of times. And it's when kind of um, stuff hits the fan, you know, that it isn't so great that we really get to start to see what we're made of. And, and these are the times that you really learn, you know, what is your resiliency factor? How is it that you pick yourself up when you fall down? And really, that's the key, you know, when we're teaching our kids is 
not that you're not going to make mistakes. And, and the point of great parenting is not, not to keep your kids from making mistakes, but teaching them how to pick themselves up from the fall, like cushion that blow, but don't stop them from falling down. I mean, when little kids learn what's up and down, they do it by hitting their head and they do it by falling. And the same thing is true throughout all of your kids' education. You know, is it really your job if your child forgets their paper at home or forgets to turn something in to run it to school an extra time? Maybe it is, maybe it's maybe it more important when they're young that you let them realize that they that they need to you know keep track of their things that they have consequences for those things because what I've seen over and over um, with kids with parents that are like over hovering or do too much or they take on their kids schoolwork um, you know they're doing their papers for them is that all they're really doing is promoting a child that's going to turn into an adult and a college student that doesn't really know how to follow through so I think thinking in terms as parenting goes, you know, think of those times when your kids, um, that mistakes are actually an inherent part of learning and it's not a bad thing to make them. And even as adults, you know, we make mistakes. The, the thing that's uh, maybe not so good is when we don't learn from our mistakes or when we don't uh, really reflect and, and respond to the mistakes that we've made or when we let them devastate us. You know, that's kind of the antithesis of resiliency, don't you think? I do. And, and and how do we bounce back when life doesn't go as we have planned, when, when we're disappointed, when we're frustrated, when we don't get what it is we think we want immediately? These are the challenges that we have with not just young children, but a, as adults, you know, as yeah. we manage ourselves. And this therein lies the opportunity for, for, for real growth as a parent, you know, to imbue these these values into the children, but also to be the leader, to you know, to live by example, to walk the talk that life is not always going to be comfortable or easy. And how are we going to be with ourselves through that journey? And that that that's where the difference lies between joy and disappointment. Absolutely. And again it goes back to um expectations and attachment to outcomes, you know, that if, if you're super, super attached to things being a certain way, that is the ultimate, um, classic disappointment waiting to happen. You know, that, you know, it's, it's like when you throw a big party or a wedding, you know, you take care of all the details and in the end, you know, you know, things are going to work out. Most of them as planned. Some of them are not going to be as planned. Some of, some of the details are not going to work out. That's how life is. You know, every day when you wake up, you know, you might have a plan for your day. Well, we all know as moms that that plan is just going to go um, haywire most of the time. You know, sometimes you have great days where things just go boom, boom, boom. Most days are not like that. Most days you really have to learn how to rock and roll and, um, you know, just kind of go in the flow of what is, you know, like just letting go is such a huge Part of living a happy life. Agreed. You have a beautiful message that you share. It's just a one-liner, but a zinger that came to you in the throes of a hot flash, and I love this. <laughs> hot flashes can be so productive. <laughs> and what can is you, that? You pray oh, tell. Pray oh, tell me what my message is. <laughs> oh, your message was in the throes of that hot flash. <laughs> 
I, I'm in that write. stage of life. I can't remember everything all the time. <laughs> and nor should you. And that's why we have scripts and crib notes. And here's what you say. You can be whoever you want, do whatever you want, and love whoever you want, but you don't have forever. Yeah, that is so true. And that, that is that came to me more than in a hot flash. You know, that was probably um the biggest awakening that I had, you know, was um after my husband of twenty five years just suddenly passed away. Um when I was forty three years old. That was seven years ago now that um Richard Carlson, really the author of the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff series, he was so generous to bring me into his writing career and um and co-author many books in that series with him. But, you know, that was my great awakening, you know, when, when, uh, he died, you know, not only did I realize, um, life was, uh, truly did change on a dime, but all of the things that matter most to you really come into focus at that time. And truly, um, and during those times in your life, when things like that happen, you know, your authenticity and it's just such an amazing, um, way that your authenticity rises up and, and you start to really, really be able to live the life that um, matters to you most because you start to realize more than ever that you don't have all the time in the world left. No, none of us. None of us. We are we are date stamped. And it's that yeah. um, that dash in between, you know, from the date of birth till the uh, the, the checkout time. That, so that short. Is- it's <laughs> so short and and it's what we do with it and really it is it is a canvas and when we view that dash as a, a potential work of art and how we craft it that life takes on a different meaning you know it becomes much more ripe and juicy and <clears throat> excuse me and vivid um, that there is opportunity that resides there in that authenticity, in the place of humor, in the place of grace, in the place of acceptance, um, all the things that we have to learn in order to be happy. Absolutely. Um, we are going to go to a break in, in a minute. I want to give your contact information and just tease the audience with a new project that um, you alluded to earlier in our discussion but about overachieving and under-receiving because this is, I think, a hot button for many of us. You know, that how, how we work and work and work and toil and um, the pay, payback or the result may not be as we expect. So when we come back, we're going to touch upon that. But in the meantime, to learn more about Christine Carlson, to get updated on what she's doing, you can go to christinecarlson.com, on Twitter at Christine Carlson, on Facebook Christine Carlson as well. And you've got a couple of other pages uh, that pay uh, homage to your work. And one is Don't Sweat Small and Don't Sweat Moms. So those tunes are coming in a minute. We will be back. We'll continue the conversation with Christine Carlson with our show theme today about perspective on parenting. And next week we are talking with uh, Wendy K. Williamson and Nora Rose and David Granry on mental health. And um, these three are uh, writing about depression and bipolar disorder and what they're doing about it, how they're getting out there and helping others. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to fight. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. 
We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Do you like Lisa's take on happiness, well-being, and human flourishing? Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. Be a part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the medical center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download this podcast in its entirety at iTunes. It's available 24-7, it's kind, it's legal, and it is free because we are talking about perspectives on parenting. And my guest is Christine Carlson. She is a New York Times bestselling author and co-author of Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, which is a personal favorite of mine, Heartbroken Open, and An Hour to Live, An Hour to love and Christine, we're talking about the 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 race for perfection, the race for being the the, the perfect parent, and how that really is mythology. How it's just it's not possible. We can just quite never get there, and by staying stuck in that pursuit, we miss we miss the joy, we miss the magic moments. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there like. There's so many ways that we stress ourselves out and stress our families out by this need to be perfect. And a long time ago, I mean, actually 15 years ago, I wrote Don't Sweat the Small Stuff for Women. And it was all about um, how to find time for yourself amidst your incredibly chaotic um, life as a woman, as a mom. And the very first chapter was um, Wish Wonder Woman Goodbye. And I started that chapter out with... um, (laughs) (laughs) with my favorite bumper sticker reads I am woman I am invincible I am tired (laughs) amen there it is and life hasn't changed that much has it Lisa I mean for women it it just hasn't changed at all I mean think if you ask most women today they would say the same thing they would say yeah, you know, I get up every day and I do so much, so many thousands of things. And by the end of the day, I'm bone tired, you know, and that kind of depleted tired is what we really want to try and avoid as moms, because in that depleted tired, we're sort of missing all the joy of parenting. 
And there are different ways that you can practice life where you don't have to be depleted and you don't sacrifice your children either. So that's kind of what Don't Sweat the Small Stuff for Moms and Don't Sweat the Small Stuff for Women are all about. Um, and the message is, is spot on. Um, if, if, and it goes back to the adage, you know, if, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. And exactly. there's, some truth, there's some truth in that, right? Absolutely. If, and the well has to be filled. You know, if, if everybody's going to drink and, and you are, as a mom, the epicenter of your home, you know, you really are. Um, if everybody's going to drink, you've got to fill up your own well. Let's talk about your newest project overachieving and under receiving for, for, for as as adults as moms as dads as as children talk yeah. about this this is exciting <laughs> i know it's super amazing i've been asked by christina rilo who um she's written a couple of amazing books choosing me before we and madly in love with me and she's launching the intermean girl reform school right now and um she's asked me to participate in her summer of self love for women um, we're launching a program called Over It, and um, it's a receive practice. So just like Kundalini Yoga um, uses a 40-day practice, um, we're using a 40-day receive practice uh, for women to spend the summer focusing on filling up that well. And And again, this is not about giving up on giving. This is about giving to yourself and feeling really nourished so that you have more to give to others. And so um, it's going to be an online program, but really interactive, really fun. And Christine's super high energy and super amazing. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be um, participating with her in this program. Oh, that sounds like fun. Well, where would we send our listeners to learn more about that? Yeah, just come to my website. Um, we're launching that this next week. And so come to my website and sign up. You'll get a free gift on there at www.christinecarlson.com. That's Christine with a K. And you'll get an email um, fairly shortly letting you know about the program and how to sign up. And it's going to be a great summer. It's going to be a lot of fun. Starts June 25th. It, it sounds like great fun. And the other thing, I, I wanted to just talk a minute about receiving because there are people in life, and we all know them, and maybe it may be the reflection in the mirror for some of us, who are great givers. We love to give. We love to do. We love to be of service. We love to put out because that's what lights us up. That's what makes us feel good. It, it contributes to our joy. And then when it comes to receiving, allowing somebody to give the gift back, we're uncomfortable. We don't know what to do with it. And um, there is an art to being a good receiver, which I'm Absolutely. assuming that you're going to touch upon in, in, this, in this project. Yeah, it's actually a, a feminine superpower. It's really a divine feminine superpower that's been really lost amongst uh, women today. And and it is an art and it is about opening and it is about being um, in surrender more than in a push kind of push, push energy. You know, it's about being more embracing, more open to life, more accepting, more in the flow of life. So so much of this summer of self-love that we're going to do is going to be about teaching how do you do that? How do you be open? How do you receive? How do you go back to a very natural feminine way of being, really? Mm, sounds 
Wonderful. I, I might just jump on over there and sign up. It sounds I like fun. I would love it if you would. <laughs> <laughs> I think you love it, actually. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, let's talk about, we're almost out of time, and I want to leave our listeners with a couple of strategies for how not to sweat the small stuff. Some really simple, quick interventions that somebody can start using today. Okay, well, you know, the first thing I always tell moms and everyone, all women, all people actually, is how you start your day is how you live your day. So get off to a peaceful start. You know, create an inspirational practice that begins in the morning because really what you focus on in the morning changes your entire outlook for the rest of the day. So that could be like anything. It could be like you wake up slowly, you stretch, you uh, make yourself some warm lemon water or tea or coffee. You have inspirational reading next to your bed or at your altar or in your sewing room, wherever your special place is. Light a candle, um, do some light yoga, stretching, whatever that ritual is. But start your day that way every single day. And you will be amazed because I always find that if I practice finding that peaceful sanctuary inside, no matter what chaos is going on throughout my day, I can always return to that place. And that's what you want to be able to do in order to become more responsive to life and less reactive in your parenting in your communications with people, at the PTA, wherever you are. You want to be able to breathe and take a golden pause before you respond to things, you know, and and that's really the best way. Those are the best practices. And then the breathing thing, you know, that's that's been throughout our work for years and years and years is to just really simply remind yourself to breathe before you speak, you know, that we oftentimes... Um, Especially with technology, um, always rapid. We are always like rapid firing on our technology, our Twitter, our our laptop, our cell phones, and it doesn't promote this idea that there's space between our thoughts. That we should have some time to reflect before we respond. So I find that when I just take a deep breath, and then I just wait. You know, I wait instead of just launch right in. My responses are always a lot more wise. They're a lot more on target and they're usually a lot better received by the person that I want to communicate with. And that would be the other um, really simple practice, really, because that is a practice. I mean, breathing is rather unconscious to us until we think about it, right? It, it is, but yet we've all got this, you know, that because I, I love to share the simple breathing uh, technique, you know, like when you're in stress or you're not paying attention to, to breathe, and I remind people that you already know how to do it, but we just forget to luxuriate in the breath. We forget to fully exhale or we hold our breath when we become anxious, which really doesn't serve us in terms of working through whatever the issue is. Oh, yeah. And like your kids, like, I don't know about you, but my girls, when they're in high school and even now, when they're in like their dramas, you know, I can get really wrapped up in their drama pretty quickly. And what (laughs) what I, what I have, what really helps me is I just start to tell myself to focus on my breath while I'm listening. I'm still listening, but I just start to breathe really deeply and then I calm down. And ultimately, you know, when I stay calmer, it, it helps them calm down, you know, and I think to remember that with small children and even adult children, 
and even your spouse or your partner that, you know, the worst that you can do is enter into the emergency fight or flight mode with them. You know what I mean? Like you can be the eye of the storm by just simply grounding yourself um, in your calm strength. And I think that's, that's like sometimes the very best you can do for anyone, you know, is just to be that calm presence when they're, um, you know, when they're under fire over something. To hold the space for another yeah. person to get through whatever is going on and, and to be actively uh, listened to. I think that there's a difference that, you know, and my kids will say it to me. Mom, you're not really listening. You're shaking your head. You're ahaing me, but you're not really hearing what I'm saying. And sometimes they're right, you know. Yeah. I mean, Mine too. Mine too. Mine say the same thing to me. Believe me, none of us do this perfectly. (laughs) No, no. And it starts out there varying degrees. Mom, mom, mommy, mommy, mother, mother, Lisa, Lisa Lynn, Mrs. Cayman. Like it reaches the crescendo. You know, it's very, very funny. Oh my. Well, we are out of time, which means that we're going to have to do a repeat of this show because the topic is so on point for many of us and we can't do it alone. So, Christine, I want to thank you for sharing your time, your wisdom with us and to to give your contact information once again to learn more about the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff books and other books by Christine Carlson. Please visit christinecarlson.com. On Twitter, she is at Christine Carlson. On Facebook, Christine Carlson, and the other projects as well, Don't Sweat Small and Don't Sweat Moms, are also the handles on Facebook or the fan pages on Facebook. And I have a few thoughts before we part, as I do each and every week. And these are that happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my amazing guests today, Richard Greenberg and Christine Carlson, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. And here is the heartfelt shout out to our producers that make us shine each and every week. We are thankful for you and go out and make it a great day. Nobody got no time anyway. Somehow. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress Kamen. Join us every Wednesday morning live at 10 to 11 Central Time here on TogiNet Radio. Then harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with free downloadable podcasts.